Indeed, this is the podcast of Tressler Mennonite Church. We produce this so anyone who may have missed the sermon can catch it later in the week. We're currently working through a series on 1 Timothy, so we encourage anyone who has missed a Sunday to, to go back and to catch up so you can see the whole arc of Paul's thoughts. This particular sermon was from August 28, 2022, and the text was 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. Um, as I begin reading and thinking about uh, this passage, two options seem to form in my mind on how to present it today. And the first was to dig deep and come up with a manual on how to precisely deal with certain groups of people in the church. The majority of this section here is Paul giving Timothy instruction, instructions on how to deal with widows, making sure the church was doing its job and caring for them there in Ephesus. And it's Paul's manual to Timothy on what rules to put into place for which widows the church should give financial help to. <clears throat> the problem is that their situation and our situation today are quite different. And as I studied this out, it seems that their list would not fit us today. What is it? The, is it the new 60 is 80 or something like that? I mean... It might even be, I'm getting to the point where even maybe 60 is 100 or something like that, or however that goes. I mean, again, here we go talking about being old again. But, um, but it doesn't quite, it, it wouldn't quite uh, fit for us today. So then the question becomes, why bother even studying this out? But over the last three weeks in, our, in the middle school, Sunday school uh, classes I've taught, and the last two Wednesday nights in one of our Tuesday morning Bible studies, we've looked at 2 Timothy Chapter three, uh, yeah, chapter three, verses sixteen and seventeen, which says, "All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip and equip His people to do every good work." So the Bible is God's words to us, word to us, and it shows us what is true. It makes us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it shows us how to do it right. And God uses it to prepare us for every good work that he has for us. So I'm learning that every time that I read Scripture, every time I study a passage, every time I write a sermon, I should ask myself, what is the truth that God, is that God wants me to learn? How is my life reflecting or not reflecting that truth, and how does God want to correct that, and in what way am I to apply this in order to do the good work that he has called me to do. So we can't and we don't skip over these passages like this, because in it there is something useful for us to live out the lives that God has called us to. So even when the specifics may not quite apply to us, the principle will and does. So that's my second option, and obviously the one that we're going to focus on today, finding the principles that made up Paul's specifics here. So we're going to look at the passage in larger chunks and blocks and not go through it with a fine-tooth comb uh, so that we can pull out the principles that are there so we can learn what the truth is and allow it to show us where maybe we need to make some changes in our lives and to apply those principles so that we're equipped to live out 
the lives that God has called us to. So to help us know and understand these principles here, let's remember that Paul has left Timothy in Ephesus to shepherd the church there. He has so far in his letter instructed him in how to deal with certain men in the church who were teaching false doctrine. He has encouraged them He has encouraged him to teach the importance of living a quiet and peaceful life so that others can see the work that Christ is doing in them and and then come to know Christ as their Savior as well. He gives instructions on how the church should live their lives peacefully and quietly and how Timothy himself should conduct himself as their leader. And now he's beginning a section on how the church as a whole should conduct itself in relationship to certain groups within the church so that God's desire that all have a living and healthy relationship with himself will be fulfilled. One of the things that I personally have been learning over the last few years uh, as we've worked our way through the epistles, as we went through the Old Testament uh, Bible Project video there for a while, or videos, is that, yes, our relationship with God is key. Uh, God desires that we love Him, obey Him, pray, read His Word, worship Him, all those things uh, that strengthen and grow that relationship. That is, that is God's desire for us. He wants us to grow in Him. But the thing that I'm learning is that He also desires our relationships with others, especially with other believers, to be strong and right as well. And when this is not the case, then it directly affects our relationship with God himself. Jesus exemplified this, that a relationship with, those, with other brothers and sisters is important. Paul and the other apostles and church leaders stressed it. And as a father myself, when the relationship between my children is good, it positively affects my relationship with them. It doesn't make me love them more or less when the relationship is either good or bad. But it does affect how I deal with them and how I teach them or whatever it is in the relationship. When their relationship with good, it strengthens and makes... It's, I, pre, I, I like that better than when they're not getting along, obviously. So I think it's in the same, God sees that in the same way. When we are bickering and fighting with other believers... It doesn't cause him to love us more or less or anything like that, but it does affect our relationship with him. And I'm, I'm beginning to learn that, have been learning that. So I think that God is showing Timothy and us today through Paul that how we treat one another is important, and it ultimately affects either positively or negatively our relationship with God himself. So in verses 1 and 2, Paul says, Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother, and treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. In these two verses, Paul pretty much covers everybody, right? Older men, older women, younger men, and younger women. And our charge is to treat them like family just like we would treat our family. In my mind, there's not much, there's, there's not a more natural 
more powerful love than a parent for a child. And to me, there's absolutely nothing that any of my children could do that would make me stop loving them. I think we as parents would say the same thing. Nothing. I believe that I could say the same thing for my parents or for my brother and my sister. And I know that that statement comes with a lot of questions and a lot of baggage for a lot of different reasons. And yes, I realize that I have been, I myself have been extremely blessed to have been raised in a Christian home and with parents that I have never had to question whether or not they love me. Um, I, I understand that, that, that I have been blessed in that and, and saying that there's nothing more powerful than a, than a parent-child relationship. Um, but I'm talking at the most natural level. level. Uh, before we as fallen humans mess all that stuff up. But as, as my children were born, to me there was nothing more easy to love. So when Kyla woke me up at midnight exactly 16 years ago today and told me that her water broke and we needed to get to the hospital, I didn't moan and groan and put up a fight. In fact, I stayed awake all night and didn't complain. Now if one of you would have called me and said your water broke, I would have said tough luck. I might come in the morning. <laughs> You'll just have to do without water. Different water breaking, obviously, but, but it, it wasn't a problem to me. Um, why? Because I knew that I was about to be a dad again, and I was excited, and I already loved the little baby boy that I was about to see. And I still love him today, just as much as I did then, along with all my other kids, um, uh, on the day where they're born, or in Demetrius's case, the day that he came into our house, our home, uh, even though they've cost me a lot of money, uh, a lot of sleep loss, they've disobeyed me, they've begged me for stuff, and begged me for stuff, and I'm not talking about the one that's whose birthday's today, and all those things. My love still is the same today, in spite of now living through that. It's funny. We were kind of Kyla was looking at some pictures this morning. And there was a picture of Seth when he was probably, I don't know, probably three, three or four years old, sitting on the beach, and there he was, a little chunky guy, cute as could be. She said, man, this was a hard time. We had, when we lived in Bridgeville, our neighbor would come over and he'd say, um, Seth is out jumping on your camper, or Seth is out jumping on your car. That dude could get into anything. <laughs> One time he even let all the oil out of my lawnmower. And, uh, <laughs> but, but... We still love him the same. It doesn't matter. Um, so that, that love is natural. Um, none, of, none of those things matter. Those, those times when um, it's tough, we love our kids. Um, and I will add here that there is one love that should be more natural and, or one love that should be stronger than that between two people. And that between a parent and a child, sorry, and that's um, the love of, between spouses. Um, it should be more sacrificial, more self-giving. Um, but that's a different sermon for a different day. If you want to ask me where I get that, I'll be glad to share that with you later. But, uh, but that's a strong, a strong bond between parent and child. Um, so we are to love and treat and respect everyone like we would our own family. That natural love should be there just like it is in a good family relationship. So how do I measure up in loving others 
as I do my own family, or at least as I should my own family, when I don't even don't even do that right. How are you doing at living this out? A while back, um, there was another believer that came into my life, and I'm going to say that very loosely for anonymity's sake, as far as coming to my life. I mean, I, it's not like a close relationship or anything like that. So, And as I interacted with this person, the thought actually went through my head. You know, I really wish that they would just go back where they came from. And again, I say that loosely because they may or may not have moved here from somewhere else. It's just I didn't want to be them to be in the same room that I was in kind of thing. Um, so I'm not talking geographically because I really wish that I didn't have to deal with them. And again, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. But that's kind of the thought that went through my head. And as I worked through this passage, God through his word and through his spirit that's at work in me reminded me that this person is part of his family and how I treat them affects my relationship with God. And he wants me to learn and to grow through this relationship with this other person, even if it makes me feel uncomfortable at times. And he wants his church, our church, the church universal, to function like a healthy body and to bring him glory and to be the light to the world that he wants us to be because he wants, to, um, he wants everyone to see what is being done in our hearts and in our lives, see him for who he is, and then uh, hopefully use that to help restore the broken relationship uh, between himself and them. So the first lesson we learn from this passage is that God wants us to love and respect one another just like we do our families. Or maybe, again, I should say how we are supposed to love and respect our family. So that goes for everyone. I think it says that there in those first two verses. The remainder of the passage is how God desired Timothy and the Ephesian church to deal with widows in the church. And we're going to look at the principles that we can draw from Paul's instructions and learn what truths can be drawn from this passage, what ways we have been doing this wrong, maybe, how we can correct those wrongs and then apply them so that we can be equipped to carry out the life, the work that God has called us to do. So the first one of these principles uh, is that it's very important to God that we care for the needy. We see this in verse 3. It says, Take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. To care for her. All throughout, and as Jeremy mentioned, I appreciated uh, the verses that he read this morning. Um, all throughout the Old and the New Testament, it's very obvious that God calls for us to help the helpless. Over and over it's written, have, have mercy on the widow, the orphan, and the foreigner. Am I personally aware of those in need around me, or am I only worried about myself? How can I make myself more comfortable? Is that all that uh, consumes me? Am I so worried about how I can further myself that I'm not even aware of the promptings of the Holy Spirit asking me to lend a helping hand to someone in need? Again, if it is important that, to God that those in need are taken care of, then it should be important to me as well. Jesus was calling his disciples to follow his example in Mark chapter 10 when he told them, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we are good to follow 
that example. So again, that's one principle that we can, can look at. And we can see that as the truth. We can see how, ask God to show us how our lives are measured up with that. And then what changes need to be made so that we can live out uh, what he's called us to do. The second point is as believers, we have a God-given responsibility to care for our own needy family before placing the burden on the, on the church. We find this in verses 4, 8, and 16, which read, But if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. But those, and then verse 8, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own, own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. And finally, verse 16, if a woman who is a believer has relatives who are widows, she must take care of them and not put the responsibility on the church. Then the church can care for the widows who are truly alone. So Seth, when I'm out jumping on the car, when I'm an older man, you still got to look out for me. So God instituted the family for a reason. Uh, and a part of that reason I don't know what's going on. You know, just go ahead and shut it off. That'll make everybody dizzy. Yeah. All right, we'll just leave that go. We were having a little problems with it earlier. Um and thought it was just the plug, but I guess I don't know, it might still be. Um, so God instituted the family for a reason, and a part of that reason is that they care for one another. Um, now this does not mean that we personally or as a church should use this as a, an excuse to not help someone who is in need just because they have family. It's a call for each of us to take our God-given responsibility seriously and not push it off on the church or others. And when I was thinking about this, I thought of situations where, where families need help. And I didn't, want to make, I didn't want this to sound like we shouldn't ask for help just because somebody might say you don't really need it. I think we need to be careful there on how far we take that or don't take that because we are called to help one another. But at the same time, we are called to, to make sure that we take care of our families as well. So, so make sure we don't take that too far one way or the other. And definitely not use it as an excuse not to help just because somebody might, um, a fam another family might not be helping. That doesn't clear us from that. And uh, the next point might have a little bit to um, shed a little bit of light on this as well. And then our third point, the church has a responsibility to use and to give discernment as well. Sometimes it pleases God for us to say no. Uh, and that's, this can be tricky as well. Paul gives Timothy a list of criteria that needed to be followed in discerning who should receive help and who should not. And we find this in verses 5 to 7 and 9 to 15 that say, Now a true widow is a woman who is truly alone in this world, has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day asking God for his help. But the widow who lives only for pleasure is spiritually dead even while she lives. Give these instructions to the church so that no one will be open to criticism. Verse 9, a widow who is put on the list for support must be a woman who is at least 60 years old and was faithful to her husband. She must be well respected by everyone because of the good she has done. 
Has she brought up her children well? Has she been kind to strangers and served others, other believers humbly? Has she helped those who are in trouble? Has she always been ready to do good? The younger widows should not be on the list because their physical desires will overpower their devotion to Christ and they will want to remarry. Then they would be guilty of breaking their previous, breaking their previous pledge. And if they are on the list, they will learn to be lazy and will spend their time gossiping from house to house, meddling in other people's business and talking about things they shouldn't. So I advise these younger widows to marry again, have children and take care of their own homes. Then the enemy will not be able to say anything against them. For I am afraid that some of them have already gone astray and now follow Satan. So Paul gave Timothy specifics in that the church of Ephesus needed to follow. And they probably don't fit our church exactly today for many reasons. But again, the overriding principles are the same. If it is not a legitimate need, or if giving help results in more harm than good, then the church needs to discern that and say no. Demetrius has this tendency that he does not like to pick up his toys uh, when he's done playing with them. Neither does Seth, but whatever. Okay, I'm done picking on you. Um, and sometimes we'll put a puzzle together, or at least uh, we'll start to. We can, that gets to be pretty big. He'll, he got these big puzzles, and he'll dump them out, and he'll get started, and I'll get started with him, and he'll put a little bit together, and I'm still trying to get the outside together, and next thing he's done, and there I, I can't stop then. But anyway, once I get started, I usually can't stop. Kind of wonders, why do you even bother? But anyway, we get done with it, and... Uh, and he'll just moan and groan. You think the world's coming in. It's, it's just too hard to pick him up. Um, and, and there's just too, too many pieces. And Can't you just do it? And again, my other kids say that since I'm an old dad, I just spoil him and pick him up and never make him pick his stuff up. But I have a responsibility to teach him that he needs to clean up after himself. And usually it is easier just to pick it up myself. But it's not the right thing to do. And usually, a lot of times, it's easier just to pass out money to every need that comes our way. But again, it's not always the right thing to do. And I think we can learn some of that from where Paul was going here with Timothy. And again, Paul would have known the specific situations. There was probably people that he had in mind as he gave this list and gave these rules to Timothy that we don't know about. But I think it helps us um, to understand the principles. The subject of helping others out financially can be very difficult uh, to know how to handle. I think, that's, I think we all know that uh, well. And we probably each have differing opinions on what the difference between needs and wants are. Um, usually my needs or just somebody else's wants, and, and vice versa, I suppose. And we may not have the specific list like was given to us, or we may not have the specific list given to us like Paul gave to Timothy, but we do have the Holy Spirit uh, living inside of us as our helper. And we do have God's Word that shows us truth, sheds light on where we are not following that truth, and how to correct that, and how to live it out, and it equips us for every good work, even the difficult task of knowing when and in what ways we personally and as a church 
are to help those in need. You've been listening to the Tressler Mennonite Sermon from August 28, 2022. The passage was 1 Timothy 5, 1-16. Take care.